Wow, what a run it's been for T Swift. Trip to the Super Bowl coming up. Congratulations to all her people. And if you are one of those who believe, oh, the conspiracy's in, the NFL wanted Taylor Swift, that's why some of the calls went against the Chiefs. Come on. Stop it with the NFL is rigged stuff. Do you know how many people would have to be in on that and not one, like, seriously? Enough with that. Enough. But yes, the AFC and NFC championship games, the result anyway is what I predicted. The San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs win. The Chiefs game was how I thought that game would play out. Was a more experienced team would be calm, cool, and collected. I don't know why the Ravens were trying to get in the grill in the pregame of the Chiefs. I'm like, you guys, you're barking at the biggest dog in the fight right now. I don't know if you know that. And that defense of the Kansas City Chiefs is underrated because Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Isaiah Pacheco get a lot of the headlines. And Andy Reid is one of the great offensive minds in football. But the Kansas City Chiefs defense came out, played well early. The Ravens defense played exceptional in the second half, but Lamar Jackson learned another lesson. You can't make critical errors. Or you don't go to the Super Bowl, especially when you're taking on Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, who in these playoffs have rarely made that mistake. Now, the NFC Championship game, that is not how I saw that playing out. 24-7 to lead at the half for the Detroit Lions. And I'm thinking, wow. Drew is going to eat me up and spit me out over the, my take on the Detroit Lions. But then the real Lions showed up in the second half. You know, the team that I've said is overrated all year long. Couldn't catch a pass. Couldn't make a clutch play. The coach making boneheaded decisions. And the 49ers cruise in the second half to beat them by three. And off to the Super Bowl they go. It's a rematch from a few years ago. The 49ers and the Chiefs. Uh, That was Mahomes' uh, first victory in the Super Bowl, so we'll see if the 49ers can get the better hand. Vegas will be the scene in a week. Of course, the NFL goes on a bye week. Well, not really a bye week. They go into their Pro Bowl weekend with dodgeball and the fancy catch onto the mat, and they're golfing, apparently, and a bunch of other stuff they're going to do, but then next week, media days on the Monday, and it leads into 13 days from now, the Super Bowl in Las Vegas, the Chiefs and the 49ers. So there is a lot to get to here on the Green Zone today when it comes to the National Football League, as we now know the final two. Miles Simmons is going to join us from Pro Football Talk. Of course, we go to Pro Football Talk all the time. Shereen Williams, a Hall of Fame writer. Uh, Peter King's been on the show. Miles Simmons will join us, Pro Football Talk, to recap the two games we saw yesterday. Also coming up on the Green Zone, I'm going to let Drew decide whose hot take was the coldest take after all at Football at Four. Britton Gray's going to be here. 
coming back from his uh, mini vacay to Calgary. Is it me saying the Lions were overrated? Or is it Britain's takes on Brock Purdy being an overrated quarterback in the National Football League? Because I will tell you what, the play of the day yesterday, everybody's talking about the fourth down gambles for the Detroit Lions. But one of the biggest plays of the game was third and four, four minutes left in the football game for Brock Purdy. Four-man rush. Purdy in some trouble. Escapes. Looking for the first down. He's got it in more. Brock Purdy with the legs inside the 30. I was uh, sitting with the, the guys at the bar watching the game, and, and someone turns and says, it's Darian Durant circuit West semifinal against BC. Like, put me on your back. I'll carry you there. Clutch play by Brock Purdy. And he had a few of them down the stretch. He had to when you're down 24-7 to at halftime for the San Francisco 49ers. So uh, Drew will get to weigh in, and you can too. Uh, who had the coldest take after all? Uh, me on the Lions or Britain on Brock Purdy, who is now Mr. Irrelevant. The last draft pick in the NFL draft is known as Mr. Irrelevant. That was Brock Purdy. The other quarterback we know very well, who was also the final pick of the NFL draft known as Mr. Irrelevant, is Chad Kelly of the Toronto Argonauts, who... Won the Grey Cup right here in Regina a few years ago with the Toronto Argonauts. So now Brock Purdy is going to try to be another Mr. Irrelevant to help lead his team to a championship. It's going to be tough. Going to be tough against the Kansas City Chiefs. Also here on the Green Zone today, we will talk some hockey as it's going to be a slower week in the National Hockey League as the teams go on a bye week this week and some next week ahead of the NHL All-Star Game in Toronto. They'll have the three-on-three feature event uh, with the PWHL. And they will have the draft. And then, of course, uh, the three-on-three games going on with the four teams this coming. I'm glad they brought the draft back, the fantasy draft for the NHL All-Star Game. Uh, Drew and uh, Britton and Scott might also recap the Royal Rumble over the weekend. I didn't watch it. I was following it on social media. And it sounds like it went pretty well, as a lot of people predicted. Saw a lot of disappointed WWE fans, except for uh, producer Scott. He was quite impressed with the Royal Rumble. And, of course, an update on what we talked a lot about last week, the under-18 World Junior Hockey Championship team with five players allegedly facing sexual assault charges. And the first player that is officially turned himself in to London police or presented himself to London police to face the charges is Alex Formanton of the Ottawa Senators or formerly the Ottawa Senators playing in a Swiss league. And now there are four more. Of course, last week we heard a few players from that under 18 team take leaves from their organizations, but uh, it's not official at all. And we must talk about one of the wildest stories over the weekend. That has nothing to do with the National Football League, has nothing to do with the NHL, maybe a little bit to do with the NHL, but this is about a story here in Saskatchewan of a man going through the boxes and boxes that his father collected of hockey cards. It's the holy grail of hockey cards, Um, and that's not... 
you know, overstating it. It really is the holy grail of hockey cards. In Regina, Saskatchewan, a unopened case. A case. This isn't just one box. This is was a 16 boxes in one case that looks completely untouched of the 1979-80 Opeachy hockey card set. Why is that so significant? That is the case that holds, and the set that holds, the most famous hockey card of them all, the Wayne Gretzky rookie card. And someone in Saskatchewan stumbled upon an entire case that they estimate could be in the range of 10 to 20, maybe 30 Wayne Gretzky rookie cards. We'll tell you more of that story uh, throughout the green zone as well. But your take on what happened yesterday in the National Football League and a lot of focus on Dan Campbell, the Detroit Lions head coach. Did he screw it up for his team or did his team screw it up for him? That's next on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Jamie and I with you here on the Green Zone. Hope everybody had a fantastic weekend. Milder weather uh, coming in. Uh, of course, uh, I was able to experience, uh, I haven't experienced a hockey tournament myself in a while, uh, but the uh, my, my six-year-old son's first hockey tournament was this weekend. He, he had a blast. The whole crew had a blast. Hello to everybody who said hi to me in Vibank, Saskatchewan this weekend. It was a heck of a good time. Um. Shout out to uh, our team, the U7 Kings in Regina. They actually hosted the tournament. So, you know, Courtney Tennille, Coach Greg, the whole crew uh, did an exceptional job um, running the tournament uh, in Vibing. Uh, there's a heck of a young man playing U7 hockey in Kipling as well. Uh, there's a, he's, if you play Kipling's U7 team, look out for number 11. Uh, that kid might have a hockey future. I'm just saying. All right, the NFC AFC Championship weekend. Here, here's the good. I have the good, bad, and ugly of the four teams that played. I'm going to start with the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, good is their defense. They're the second best defense in the National Football League, holding Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens to ten points. Like that's their good. Their bad was their second half offense. Now you just didn't score a point. Nothing. Just plotted along. Safe game. That's not going to be how you beat the 49ers. Just ask the Detroit Lions about their second half. The ugly part of the Kansas City Chiefs was hearing Andy Reid talk about that their loss to the Las Vegas Raiders turned their season around. As a Raider fan, it really warms my heart that my team could help a divisional rival go to their fourth Super Bowl in the last five years. The Baltimore Ravens, the good is their second-half defense on the flip side of the Kansas City Chiefs. The, the, give the Baltimore Ravens a lot of respect for shutting out the Chiefs in the second half. They made it the great adjustments. The bad, the two turnovers. Flowers 
at the goal line, fumbles the ball, and then Lamar Jackson, 25-yard throw. What are you doing making that throw? The ugly, the penalties. The taunting penalty by Flowers, smack, like just turning around and smoking Patrick Mahomes in the head, headbutting Travis Kelsey. That's not how you win playoff football, Baltimore. That's the ugly. The San Francisco 49ers, the good is Brock Purdy in the second half. The bad, Brock Purdy in the first half. There's, there's the good and the bad of the San Francisco 49ers. I don't have much ugly for the San Francisco 49ers, to be quite honest, other than their run defense in the first half. And that's where we start with the Detroit Lions. The run game in the first half. Montgomery, Gibbs, they were rolling. Goff with no pressure, pretty good quarterback. The bad was the mistakes in the second half. You have Jameer Gibbs fumbling the football, turnover. Josh Reynolds couldn't catch a cold in the second half. And the ugly is the coaching decisions. Dan Campbell had a chance to go up by three scores. And all the analytics nerds could talk about, oh, you go for it on this scenario. I am a possession person. How many scores do they need to beat or tie us? They're at two. He kicks a field goal, it's three. If you go for it at the 20-yard yard line, get a first down, there's no guarantee you're scoring a touchdown anyways. Take the points. Take the points. And then you you have the opportunity to tie the game. No, let's, let's not tie the game. No, let's go for it. And again, no go. Your coaches need to put you in the best possible shot to win the game. And if he's going to be that aggressive, why not go for it at the end of the first half? I was sitting in the bar going, go for it, Dan. You know you want to, and he almost did, but he kicked the field goal. And that's where I was like, if you're not, if you're going to take the points there, why aren't you taking the points to tie a playoff game on the road? What happens when they don't do it? Down the field, now they're down by two possessions. Dan Campbell was the ugly of that football game for the Lions. Now, I'm Jamie Nye. This is the Green Zone. Uh, still coming up. Uh, we're going to talk. Uh, to Jason Simmons from Heritage Auctions. Did you hear about the fine find in Regina, Saskatchewan recently? A case, a case of 1979-80 Opeachy hockey cards. Untouched, pretty well unblemished. They're estimating there could be from 10 to 20-some Wayne Gretzky rookie cards which would all get like the 10 star rating they haven't been touched there's only two of these well now there's going to be a lot more it's going for auction it's already over a million dollars american it closes in a few weeks and yeah they found the case in saskatchewan it was here in saskatchewan just in someone's room stored away with all their hockey card collectibles that's insane to me Think about how long that box has sit there untouched. I'm I'm 43, so that's like what 44, 45 years just sitting there, millions of dollars. 
But right now we're going to talk more about the AFC and NFC Championship game. We're going to do so with Miles Simmons of Pro Football Talk here on the Green Zone. Miles, thank you so much for your time. Oh, no problem. Nice to join you. Okay, what is the most exciting thing for the Super Bowl matchup? Uh, the matchup itself or Taylor Swift? <laughs> I think it will probably actually be tracking Taylor Swift's jet from Tokyo all the way to Las Vegas, if like that's something that you're into. And look, I know football fans, if, especially college football fans you know, here in the States, they love to talk about, oh my gosh, like what, where's, are the Jets going? So I think that's something where, yeah, people are going to be very excited to see if Taylor Swift actually does make it from Japan all the way to Nevada for uh, the Super Bowl. But I, I'm sure with uh, modern flight technology, she's going to be all right. <laughs> the, the biggest talker out of this weekend is Dan Campbell's decisions, I would believe, in the NFC Championship game. What did you think while you were watching the two fourth-down gambles in the third and fourth quarter? Yeah, you know, I I thought that the first one was fine. You know, you're up 14. You're trying to get a kill shot in that game. And if you don't get it and then San Francisco goes down the field and scores, then you still have um, a, a really good opportunity to make sure you're still in control of the game. The second one is where you probably err because you have a chance to tie the game there, and it's a 48-yard field goal, and it's not necessarily – I don't know, a, a gimme field goal with 48. But if you don't trust your kicker from 48 yards out, then that, I think, is a real problem. The, the thing that people aren't talking enough about, I, I feel like, is the fumble that Jameer Gibbs had right after San Francisco gets that first touchdown, right? I mean, that's a place where if Detroit goes down the field and they score – then you're going to be fine. You're still going to be back up 14. And to that point, San Francisco really had not done a very good job of stopping Detroit's offense. So I understand the discourse on Dan Campbell. Like, obviously, those are things where you need to be better in those situations if you're Detroit for execution and also um, just for making sure that you need you score points. But I, I really think that that fumble is where things absolutely turned on Detroit because it gave San Francisco the opportunity to score on a short field. And at that point, you, you almost you tie the game. And that's really where things got out of hand. Miles Simmons with us of NBC Sports and Pro Football Talk, uh, covering off the AFC and NFC Championship games. Uh, Miles, you probably just answered the, the next question I'm going to ask you. So did Dan Campbell um, disappoint his players or did the players disappoint Dan Campbell more? Ah, uh, it's a little of column A, a little of column B. I mean, I, I think that you have to have better execution. Jared Goff's ball placement was not good enough throughout the course of the second half. Now, I, I think Jared Goff is a very good quarterback, but he's another one of those guys where if you start getting him off schedule, you're just going to be able to stop him that much easier. And Josh Reynolds had a couple of big drops. You know, that first fourth down, that's not the easiest pass to catch, but – you look at the other game in the AFC, and Travis Kelsey was making those catches all over the place, right? So if your quarterback is going to give you an opportunity to make a play, you got to make the play. And I think Josh Reynolds would say he's got to make that play. Um, and he's got all kinds of opportunities to, to have better plays um, in the second half, too. So I think, yeah, the, the players did not execute. But also, you know, when Dan Campbell is saying, let's not have an opportunity to tie the game here with a 48-yard field goal, 
that's also something that he should have done. And that doesn't mean that the, the Lions would have won that game. You know, they certainly would have needed to score more points in order to actually effectively take the lead and win. But I think when you have a chance to tie the game in the fourth quarter with a 48-yard field goal, you really should do it. I don't know if I was more surprised of the gambles in the second half where he didn't gamble at the end of the first half. I was sitting there watching going, go for it, Dan. I know you want to instead of kick the field goal at the end of the half, but he kicked the field goal, which was a rare yeah. case of being conservative by from Dan Campbell. I think that's a good point, and that's something that you know a lot of folks aren't aren't talking about either. Where they did take the points at that point in the game, um, and it's just one of those things that I think has gotten lost over the course of you know the last twenty four hours or so, whatever it's been. Um, so that's a funny part of it, you know, where they did take the points at that point, but once they were still up by fourteen. It was like, no, we want to keep going and we want to keep our foot to the gas, and it just didn't work out. On the flip side of the field, um, what did we learn again from Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant to the San Francisco 49ers? I think we learned that he is a good player. You know, I don't know that I would call him great, but I do think that he is very good. Um, and I think that he understands how to make plays when things break down. And that's something that you can contrast him with with Jared Goff, right? I mean, Goff is not mobile. You know, he cannot make those plays with his legs. But Purdy had really long runs where things were covered down the field, and he was able to break out of the pocket and get down the field and run, get first down, and make those critical plays. And when you're talking about a guy who is still young, only playing in the second year, that's something that – really matters you know it's really one of the big reasons why san francisco was able to win that game because at the biggest moment brock purdy was able to get things done um and especially get them done with those legs so i i think he's a good player i think he's got some stuff to him i think he is capable of taking this 49ers team to a a super bowl victory but that doesn't really mean it's going to be easy because that chiefs defense is really excellent Yes, uh, as we move over to the AFC Championship game, the Chiefs uh, beat the Ravens 17-10. to uh, Ravens defense made the adjustment, shut out Kansas City in the second half. But when I'm going into the game, I was worried about the Ravens on this stage. Would they be able to play to the level of the team that's been here, done that? They didn't. What more now do we need to see from Lamar Jackson, even though he's going to be the MVP of the NFL this year? I think he's got to be able to make the biggest plays in the biggest situations, right? I mean, the throw he was trying to make to Isaiah Likely where there are three guys around him for the Chiefs, I mean, I, it was just an inexplicably bad decision. I, I don't know why he did that. And also, I mean, some of the throws that he was making throughout the course of the game were just inaccurate. So I don't think Lamar Jackson is a bad player by any means. I think that the Ravens' game plan also did not necessarily do them any favors, right? I mean, I, I don't know why there weren't more designed runs for Lamar Jackson, especially after we saw that they converted a fourth down in Ravens' territory, and he ran it for 20-plus yards. Like, that's something where you sit down and you say, all right, he is going to be able to be dominant if we just let him cook like that. And he didn't do it. So, yeah, he was let down a little bit, but he also let the, the, the team down where he just was not accurate enough with his throws. So, yeah, they, they have work to do, but it's going to be tough for them um, to get back to that spot because there are so many talented teams in the AFC. And from what we know, 
Patrick Mahomes can take down all of them, right? It's going to be a matter of who else can get through that kind of thunderdome of teams where you've got quarterbacks like Josh Allen, like Joe Burrow, C.J. Stroud's going to come up and he's not going to go anywhere. The Dolphins, I don't think they're going anywhere either. So, man, it's, it's going to be tough for, for the Ravens to get back. As we end off with the Chiefs, uh, they there they are again, and Patrick Mahomes and company make their way to another Super Bowl. But as you mentioned, it's this has been more of a defensive story, hasn't it, for the Kansas City Chiefs than an offensive one? Uh, since apparently, as Andy Reid pointed out, uh, their game on uh, Christmas against the Raiders. Yeah, yeah, he did talk about that today. He called it a wake-up call, that game that they lost on Christmas Day against the Raiders. And, you know, I, I think it's interesting that that defense has been as good as it's been throughout the course of the year. It's the, it's obviously not the best team that Kansas City has had in the Patrick Mahomes era, but it's certainly the best defense. And so they've only needed to get like a little bit better on offense, right? Eliminate some of the turnovers, eliminate the big mistakes, and then you can kind of ride the wave of that defense throughout the postseason, and that's exactly what they've done. So the job that defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo has done for Kansas City this year cannot – be overstated um and yeah i mean patrick mahomes i think is like my generation's michael jordan where it's just like you can come at him with anybody you want but he is still going to give his team the best chance to win and when he's out there and he's playing at a high level they just are so 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 tough to stop so it's i think it's going to be really tough for san francisco to beat that team in las vegas a week from sunday i I really do but We'll see. It's certainly possible, but man, I, it's hard for me to bet against any team with Patrick Mahomes right now. Yeah, I was. I was just going to ask you, what's your early lean? Thirteen days away from the Forty ers and the Chiefs. Yeah, it just it feels to me like if the Forty ers play like they did yesterday, right, where you let a team go up on you, and especially because that run defense for the 49ers was abysmal in the first half. The, the uh, Detroit Lions nearly had 150 yards on the ground. That's as bad as it's ever been in the first half for a Kyle Shanahan, San Francisco 49ers team. If that's the case, then the Chiefs are going to win because the Chiefs know how to run the football now. They have done something where they have established Isaiah Pacheco as a great running back, right? He is dominant when he needs to be. Clyde Edwards-Alary comes in, he's kind of the change-up, but he also can really run the ball very well. And what the Chiefs have done is they said, we know how we can control games through our running game and with some good critical passes from Patrick Mahomes to our reliable guys like Travis Kelsey, Rashi Rice. You know, they used Isaiah Pacheco on the outside a little bit um, during Sunday's game as well. So, I, I think that this is the Chiefs game to lose. Now, I understand that uh, the 49ers are favored. Last I saw, the 49ers are favored by one. But, again, with the way that the Chiefs defense has played and the way that Brock Purdy has shown, if you pressure him in certain situations, take away the first read, whatever, he will throw some balls up there that can be intercepted. The Chiefs are going to make those plays where the Lions did not. So that, to me, is where I, I lean Chiefs, at least this early in the, in the process. Well, Miles, very much appreciate you taking the time to look back at uh, Sunday's football games as we'll look ahead now to 13 days in the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Miles, thanks so much. Absolutely. Take care. Miles Simmons of NBC Sports Pro Football Talk is where you can find their great work 13 days away uh, from the Super Bowl. A little bit of a breath.
We'll see what the injury. Christian McCaffrey was getting worked on at the end of the game on the sideline. I was like, that can't be good, but you know he's gonna he's gonna play. Uh, but you never know who's dinged up, who might be missing for either team, and we won't find out until like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday next week if there's any significant injuries. But it's the Chiefs and the 49ers uh, for the Super Bowl. Chiefs trying to repeat the first team to do so. Could be the first team to do so since the Patriots. Coming up next, this day in sports history on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Enbridge Farm remembers. On this day in sports history, way back on this day, was the first ever players elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. 1936, Ty Cobb, Babe Ruth, Honest Wagner, Christy Matheson, and Walter Johnson uh, were all inducted uh, into the first class of the Baseball uh, Hall of Fame. On this day in 1995. Yes, that was post-game of Super Bowl when the San Francisco 49ers beat the San Diego Chargers, and that was Steve Young asking to get the monkey off his back. Of course, he was the backup for Joe Montana all those years and was able to finally win his first Super Bowl as a starter and one of the greatest to ever do it retired on this day in 2015 uh, this is a it's a great day for me uh, i'm excited uh to start a new chapter in my hockey career um you know this is something i've been thinking about uh, for a long time that is martin broder on this day january 29th 2015 he made it official as a member of the st louis blues that that was it after being demoted to third string